welcome back to Monkcraft Podcast. I'm your host, Golvin, and today I'm pleased to be joined by two monks from the world's second 25-man guild blood legion, Snarfy, Snarf, and Rigoros. How are you guys doing today? I'm great, thanks. Uh, yeah, doing pretty good, man. Just enjoying the uh, enjoying the freedoms of vacation time after uh, <laughs> Yeah, progression makes you appreciate it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, especially since you guys were having a pretty, uh, I guess, intensive schedule... Uh, going into these, uh, you know, the world's second kill of uh, Garage, uh, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it's definitely, being from the same server, Illidan, it's kind of like that Illidan pride, even though <laughs> there's like 50 million people on Illidan right now. But uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely awesome to have you guys on the show. So thanks again for uh, for joining us. And I'll go ahead with the first question and ask you, Rignaros. Um, since you used to be a full-time DK tank, in the previous, you know, starting this expansion, going back to last expansion, and then Brewmaster coming in for a few fights. I think the first time I saw it was on uh, Garajal, I believe, in Mogushan Vaults, and then now going to full time Brewmaster in um, uh, this current expansion, Caesar Orgrimmar. Uh, why was the change happening? Is it just with how BRM is, is being different than uh, DK Tank is right now? Um, I mean, I guess to start off the question, I just point out that I mean, like, I would, you know, my preference if I could, if everything was balanced equally across the board, I would, I would like playing the DK more. But the problem is right now the the Death Knight just isn't in a very strong spot. Uh, whereas the Brewmaster is one of the stronger tanks right now, in my opinion, uh, just because of, I mean, uh, a, a multitude of reasons. Really, I try to hit uh, most of them at least, uh, like damage smoothing or whatever you want to label it. Um, you know, just the fact that you have shuffle is. Uh, you know, such a 100% uptime type thing, um, you know, compared to on a DK, like, you can't really have Bone Shield. I know the current two-piece uh, for the DK helps out a lot with that because you can have such a higher uptime on your Bone Shield and whatnot, but um, I just, I feel like the DK is just a lot more spiky and uh, prone to, you know, especially doing, like, PTR on my Death Knight and things like that for this current tier. Um, it was very, like, you know, if I didn't have Bone Shield up or something like that, um, and then Blood Shield falls off, I mean, you're pretty much relying on a Purgatory proc or your clo legendary cloak proc and things like that, and that's that's never really a good thing to you know trying to be re relying on something that's just uh, you know saving you from a killing blow. I would rather uh, you know the monk, especially whenever you go uh, like a full mastery build, and that's another thing about the monk um, mm -hmm. is. You, you know, you, you kind of have options, whereas like on a Death Knight, um, you know, you, you kind of have to go like uh, full mastery, but you could go, you could go haste, but the benefit isn't quite the same as it is like say with a monk, you, you, you know, you, the, what I'm trying to compare is like the difference between an offensive and a defensive build, where on a yeah. DK your options are haste or mastery, and on a, a monk you have crit or mastery, and you know the the crit on the monk is i mean you know you you're rolling like you know 82% avoidance uh almost full time if you have like a full crit build uh, because of elusive brew and something like that and that's mm -hmm. so much better than you know sacrificing almost all of your mastery to go a full haste build on a death knight to get off more uh, death strikes and things like that and uh it's just and not to mention the you know the damage output of the monk is higher um i know the the change they made to the the plate tanks with that uh Repost um, addition, but it helped out a little bit to close the gap, and then especially once they nerfed monks by 15%. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just the monk is more consistent. It offers more raid utility than the Death Knight. Um, you know, people could argue that 
could you have an AMZ on a Death Knight, but you're not really going to be able to drop Purgatory because of what I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier about how yeah. susceptible you are to spike damage and things like that. So um, just all in all, Monk's just a more polished tank at the moment. Um, and I think it's, it, especially the higher in the tiers you got this expansion, it became more and more the case because of, you know, the scaling of gear, mastery, and things of that nature. Because, uh, you know, Blood Shield, it's something that's just like, it's feast or famine almost. You know, you're going to mitigate a hit, hit completely, and then your Blood Shield's gone, and then you take one to the face without anything, you know, and it's, it just, it kind of adds up um, all those things to kind of what pushes the monk over the, the edge. And not to mention also the ability to kite. I mean, we knew coming into uh, this tier that there were going to be, you know, a, there was a potential that I would be kiting uh, on my monk and uh, on, uh, you know, for garage ads because of from PTR testing and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I mean, no one can kite better than a monk. I mean, the only other one that comes close is a warrior. So, and, and uh, going into that, obviously, because there's the utility aspect of a monk, like you said, being able to kite ads or even with the, uh, you know, the ads that are affected by dizzing haze, where it has that 3% chance to inflict damage to themselves, I think is kind of one of the un unknown features about a brewmaster tank um now going to that more of the utility aspect because avert harm is that kind of i'm gonna die or not die hopefully i have killed myself like on garage for instance on actually hitting it during the uh intermission phases and just dying because everybody gets a hit from it is it is it one of the avert harm more of like a personal cooldown for yourself or do you actually use it for the raid and some of your encounters Mm, uh, Star for me, uh, both actually were playing Brewmaster for our Grosh kill, and um, we were messing around with Avert Harm uh, quite a bit on that fight. I, I started out using it, and we couldn't really figure out what was causing uh, the the differences in, you know, we would use it in the brain room uh, during the, the Devastates or whatever it's mm -hmm. called. Yeah. Um, I'm horrible with names, but yeah, the, <laughs> he's doing the shockwave yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, we would be using it during that, and... Um, at first, when we were just two-tanking, I was using it, and I wasn't really having a problem. I would pop it, and then I would, uh, you know, Zen Med and whatnot. Um, and sometimes I would just take, like, really bursty spike damage, and we really couldn't figure it out. But I think what it came down to is you, you just had to make sure you had that, uh, the courage buff or whatever, the faith buff from everyone. And, you know, yeah. if you had that, it wasn't really, and then you had shuffle up. It wasn't really a risk of getting bursted down. But, I mean, it, it definitely was something we were using as a raid cooldown, not, uh, you know, nothing personal. Okay. Um, and uh, I think it's, I mean, it's it's very viable because it's better than Devo in a lot of situations. Be, um, I guess I won't say in a lot of situations, but in some situations, because the fact that it all, it's any type of damage, it's not just magical damage mm -hmm. or anything yeah, like exactly. that, it's 20% yeah. across the board. And if you're ever, I mean, on a lot of fights, the raid ends up stacking up at some point for some type of massive damage intake. And, um, you know, just the moment, I mean, your, your guard scaling with vengeance and things like that. You know, if you know you're going to, uh, you can even call for a paints up on yourself if, you're, if you know you're going to take a ton of damage when you use it. But it's a very, very solid cooldown. Uh, I, I think it's it's overlooked by a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people use it quite enough, but uh, it's something that, um, it's very strong, and I think that the very small, you know, radius of the thing, what, like 10 yards or something, is, it's a pretty, you know, even trade-off. So, I mean, it's such a strong cooldown, but the penalty is you have to be really stacked to be able to use it and things like that. So, so like I think for, it's pretty well designed. Yeah, so for something like Thok, I guess, would be an excellent choice for it, right? Like, you're, you have the bats, for instance, and then you're getting all that vengeance, and then people are taking, you know, spiky damage anytime during that fight. You could pop it be able to you know, maybe pop Zen Med or anything like that and just kind of survive as like a stopgap. And then otherwise, I guess, because of the 10-yard radius, I know when I off-tank fights like um, uh, the uh, Dark Shaman, for example, um, 
end up using it for a personal cooldown or even like a uh, area cooldown when like there's a lot of the spike damage like for the uh, when the meteors hit for instance mm-hmm. is something that it's it's kind of beneficial for so that's that's pretty cool so you think that that is a good enough cooldown versus a uh, Devo versus a Banner Rally. Um, obviously, Guardian Druids and, like you said, DK tanks don't really have necessarily a good raid cooldown other than AMZ. I guess AMZ would have been better, with, except with the changes being that you know flat second uh, instead of having like the absorption where you can't you know well, give, I think give that, a fight. Or is it is it just how no, no, it is I, playing out? Or I, I think that uh, well, I mean the the Druid you get a Trank there, so that's another really strong aspect of the Druid. Yeah, the the um, you know being able to Trank cool it. It's not necessarily mitigation cooldown or anything like that, but it's you know it can help save the raid in moments of insane raid damage if you know the other tank taunts and you can you know heart of the wild trank or something um on the druid that's really solid i think the the problem with the dk is i mean there's literally no raid utility because mm-hmm. amz is a valid option but the problem is it's in the same tree as purgatory and you can't like i said you can't swap that so i mean like if they were to be able to move that i don't really think it would happen but i mean if they were that would that would give the dk at least something uh and i i, I kind of like the way that it went uh to just a flat percent reduction instead of a burst amount i mean the the burst amount was just very like it was like a very niche ability whereas you know Mm -hmm. like uh say like gunship and dragon soul you know you could absorb one of those huge uh you know meteor hits or whatever or like and static shock and yeah static shock was another Mm -hmm. really good one and oh goodness what was the other one i was had it right on as an example Oh, rot in. Yeah, that was it. Whenever oh, the yeah. orb was going to hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was another good one. So, uh, I mean, it's a very useful ability, but just as a DK tank, you can't really afford to pick it up. I mean, you can. Uh, there's been situations where I have, but it's like one of those things where you feel like you're kind of tanking naked uh, without, uh, you know, purgatory because of how spike it is. You're just, you know, hoping that you don't, you don't need it. And very seldom are you able to make that decision to drop purgatory for it. Okay, so now that we talked... A lot about uh, Brewmaster. Let's go ahead and I'm going to swap to Snarfy, ask you a few Windwalker uh, questions. And um, the first one, obviously, is do you Fist of Fury or do you not? Uh, yeah, I use Fist of Fury a lot. Um, it's one of those things you can't really you know, just spam it off cooldown because you'll lose a ton of damage. You have to use it at the right time. I don't really use it that often outside of uh, you know, Tiger Eye Brew or Trinket Prox or anything like that. I tend to use like Chi Wave energizing brew you know just get my tiger eye charges up a lot outside of like tiger eye brew but when i have my procs up i tend to use it like pretty much every tiger eye brew if i can and so then i guess that goes into play with the aoc trinket that you're currently using is it uh you know a lot of there's a lot of comments um the last show i had on was um rotund who does like a lot of the spreadsheets and a lot of the kind of analysis of like you know theory crafting and um, the AOC trinket are you using it mainly for the uh, agility bump from it, as well as the defensive cooldown usage that you get out of it. Well, I think this trinket's pretty good because, uh, yeah, the energizing brew, and then and that gives you like it's basically like fake haste, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And the fist of fury, I mean, the fist of fury part of it, I don't know if that helps that much because I don't know if I use it every like. 15 seconds or whatever the cooldown is with the trinket like anyway i don't know so it's more of using it so you can drop haste to get more uh, crit in and be able to do a little more damage associated with that rather than using it as far as what it, a lot of people are kind of poking it out at is it's like a fist of fury able to lower that so you can use it basically on cooldown is that something that you're using it for more more or less 
uh, I'm pretty much just using it for like the free haste. It lets me use it. It makes using Chibru a lot easier because if you don't have Ascension, you have like really poor energy regen, and this trinket just really helps with that with the energizing brew aspect of it. And then obviously you're using Harmons, uh, which is you know the best. I think the best trinket right now in the tier. Yeah. Um, now going in with the, the TED trinket from uh, Black Fuse, is that something that you you haven't had luck in rolling or, or getting, or is it more benefit for other classes, or is it just something you're just going to kind of stay away from until you just see better numbers on it? No, we actually haven't had any drop. I've coined that boss every time I've killed it. Just. I guess he just doesn't want to drop it. I do want that <laughs> trinket. It looks really good. You can uh, snapshot Fist of Fury with it. Like, as soon as you get the proc, you just cast Fist of Fury, and you keep the, like, attack power and crit from the extra agility you get for, like, the four seconds that you channel. So, yeah, I pretty much uh, switch between Harems and that trinket, depending on the fight. Okay, okay, so it's just more of the, like I said, snapshotting. Yeah, I mean, and again, it goes into the type of fight, and that kind of leads into the next question I had, which was when you use Wind as well as when you use uh, Rushing Jade Wind on fights. Obviously, Rushing Jade Wind is anything with three or more targets uh, because you get that extra cheap proc from it. Um, and then Zwen is more of like, I guess, you know, Juggernaut is one I can think of. I guess Thok might be another, or maybe you go with the Rushing Jade Wind on that fight. Um, is that kind of how it is for you? Is, it, is, is that mainly based on what fight you're doing currently? Yeah, I use uh, Zwen on the majority of fights, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think I use Rushing Jade Wind on Lake Galacris. Uh, it spoils. I don't use it on Thok. Um, I was using it early on in Garrosh Progression when we were still doing the two-tank strat. So we could, like, AoE the adds down in Phase 1 a lot easier, but I switched to Zwen because it's I think it's just better for that fight because of, like, the burst cooldown. And that's one thing I kind of, a lot of discussion having with other fellow monks, uh, Windwalker monks, is about the difference between the two. A lot of people using, you know, Rushing Jade Wind for that extra chi generation. And then, you know, Zwen, though, is like, it's that cooldown, that old school cooldown that you have, like, you know, Recklessness for a Warrior, um, you know, or um, for DK, I forget the one, the, the Pillar Frost. You know, it's usually getting that little burst that you can kind of pump out, especially with the brew. Uh, with the full brew stack, and then with trinket procs, is it is that what you're using it for? Like that big, huge bump, or is it because of it's a three minute cooldown? Um, is it is it just? Do you think it should be lowered in a cooldown? Do you think like a, from maybe to a two or two and a half minute? No, I think it's it's fine at, at three minutes. Like I think it, I don't know. I think when walkers would be like kind of like maybe too bursty and like have too much burst with. Tiger Eye Brew and a two-minute Zuan or something like that. Okay, cool. So, yeah, definitely interesting to see that because, you know, I've, you know, most of the people I talk to are, you know, doing Rushing Jade Wind a lot more, but I myself find, I only do fights like a fight where we have to AoE something like on Thok. If your bats are killing your group or something like that, you have to get rid of them. Then that's something that you'd pick up. Or like on Garage, I remember doing the first few de days of attempts on that and, you know, having to pick them up because they were just killing the tanks. And when we went with a, you know, two tank strat at the time. Um, now going into that, as far as uh, what you're seeing for competitiveness, this tier, um, noticing some videos or some screen grabs with the, you know, the uh, uh, the damage in there, seeing you at, you know, top five. Is that something that you've been noticing that Windwalker is very competitive right now? Yeah, Windwalkers are actually in a really good spot right now. I mean, it, it depends on the fight. Like, most of the time the Warlocks are, are up there just, you know, because they're Warlocks. And then there's, uh, other than that, it's either me or then uh, our Death Knight or, like, the Rogues. 
That's pretty much the way it goes for a lot of fights. Yeah, those dirty warriors can sit on the bottom of the charts. <laughs> I yeah, those warriors have been pretty good. <laughs> um, so then I guess that goes into my question for you, Rig. Um, the going into the uh, as a raid leader for Blood Legion, uh, you know, is that one of the reasons why you choose to bring Windwalker Monk to the majority of the fights this tier? It seems like that Snarfy's in for a lot of the kills. Is it because he has that really good damage palette? Um. You can hear me, right? I was like muting my mic. Oh no, yeah, sure no, I get Okay, yeah, I just had it muted to make sure I was like coughing and didn't want to uh, interrupt when Snarf was going. But yeah, um, the thing with Windwalker monks uh, right now, like Snarf pointed out, they're in a really good. Okay, I'll put this. They're in a much better spot than I think they were in Throne of Thunder, yeah. um, just because they're, you know, competitive. But the problem with Windwalker, in my opinion, is the fact that they do not bring anything, literally anything, to the table as far as, like, raid utility. So, I mean, Snarf is, um, you know, he knows this, and, I mean, he can attest to it. Uh, kind of how it goes is, like, okay, when we're looking to trim people, it's like, you know, if you're on par with, you know, just let's say you have a rogue and a Windwalker monk, you know, you've got one that has a smoke bomb and you have one that doesn't, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry who you're going to swap. A lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, during that first couple weeks, like, uh, you know, during the first week when we do the six normal runs, um, you know, Snarf ended up getting quite a bit of gear in his run, a little, you know, it's just an RNG of drops. I mean, there's a lot of variables that come into mm -hmm. it, like, uh, you know, just, you know, let's say he gets a lot of drops and a rogue doesn't, and that situation, you know, he's going to probably stay in above the rogue because he's going to be doing, a, you know, a pretty significant amount more damage because he's got more gear and, uh, you know, coining and things like that. So, but I mean, if everything's equal across the board, uh, that is the one knock that I would say Windwalkers have is uh, just the, the, you know, lack of raid utility. And then, yeah, I mean, I know... There's a lot of discussion amongst that with the you know Windwalker raid utility coming into play, and I think uh, Ghostcaller said like, well they can heal, and which is kind of a don't yeah. don't do, do laugh don't don't get a jump in right now, Snarfy, but I mean that's like the one thing they said is that oh they could heal, and then with the change to damage and healing to Tiger Eye Brew, which really hasn't done anything, do you think Windwalker to be able to say? You know, cement their place in a not requirement because you know you never want to have that, but unfortunately it happens with you know with especially with you guys going for that world first title. Um, is it just it, to make sure like say okay we have to have a, a, a Windwalker in every fight to give them some form of a raid utility like a raid cooldown like even like a ten percent on three seconds or something like a I small just, one or I I think the biggest thing that they should probably I mean they definitely have to do something, but I think something that would be more realistic is. I mean, you know, you're not going to throw something on them like Devo or anything like that, you know what I mean? But, like, even as simple as, I don't, uh, just making their, give them a statue back that does something maybe. that You know, mm -hmm. I don't know whether if it's pumping out extra healing or, uh, you know, I don't really know how you would end up balancing it. But I, I think, I mean, you know, especially since they're the only monk spec that doesn't have a statue. It just, yeah. it only seems fitting to like, okay, that's a very obvious gap that they could fill and make it do something useful. Whether it's, you know, mitigation, healing, uh, um, you know, damage boost, like a Stormlash or something. They've got multiple options mm -hmm. that they could go with. I just, I don't really know why they're not doing it. So I guess that it would be something like, uh, if you think about it, the... Um uh, uh, AG from enhanced shamans can do, where it's that you do da or like a VE, where you do right. damage and then it it's copied to healing for the raid. That'd be something that you could probably easily throw in with, like you said, like a Zwen statue or something like that. Throw it down, 
you you know you do your damage, which you, you know then I'll go into play with Tiger Eye Brew procs, all that kind of stuff, uh, Snarfino, anything like that. So I guess then, I mean that's what I've been kind of saying is it's something small, just something that's a little bit to make it that you know you go well. Let's look at this fight. We have to have all our warriors in for banners. We have to have all our paladins that we can muster in for devos for this encounter, and then we have to have rogues for smoke bombs. Unfortunately, you know that's just one of the things. And it's just you know Windwalker kind of slides down to where it's like on the to me it's like we're like the mage of melee. That's kind of what I've been kind of saying this entire tier <laughs> is that we could do good damage, but we just don't offer as much raid utility. And that's kind of how a mage is right now. I mean, mage, you know, good survivability, but no real raid utility. Is that something that you're seeing, Rignoros, when you're doing like a raid makeup? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't want people to think that it's just limited to them only having an opportunity to gain a defensive utility aspect mm -hmm. it could also be like i was mentioning like a storm lash or i mean just something that was it brought you know it brings enough offensive utility to yeah. the fight to make them uh, you know a, a, a you know a good addition to the comp yeah like so like a storm lash-esque type of ability like you know thinking of you know, the boss especially you know like zwen how it procs it, like the crackling lightning maybe everybody has a chance to crackling you know proc crackling liking which is generally a storm lash so uh that's yeah it's definitely something to, interesting to hear coming from you guys because uh, i know you always every fight you go in with the the best comp you can if it's eight warlocks and eight warlocks are in that comp or if it's you know five rogues and you pull in five rogues so it's definitely something uh, interesting to hear um now going in, uh, another question for uh, uh, Snarfy is, what was the biggest boost of DPS that you saw this tier so far? I mean, obviously you haven't gotten a full BIS set, but was it a two-piece? Was it a four-piece? Was it a weapon, a trinket? Where did you see that oomph that was like, oh wow, I jumped a bunch of DPS? Uh, I think it's mainly the trinkets. The trinkets are like really powerful this tier. Like, the weapons were nice too. I definitely saw like a big bump in those, but it's it's definitely the trinkets that gave me the biggest increase. Oh, so even when you got like the heroic weapons and upgrade or anything like that, it was just the trinkets. Because I guess this is just because of how the uh, dumping uh, rune of regeneration, regeneration, or rut row, which is why I call it, uh, yeah. in the last tier, is that something that you saw was the more of the adjustment that you had to go back to a Renekai and Juju? Maybe being just a heroic, not a Thunderforge version. Uh, I had actually, I was lucky enough to get Thunderforge versions of both Renatakis and Juju coming into the tier, so uh, that wasn't really an issue for me. It was uh... okay. Yeah, so you're you're one of those scumbags that were lucky enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I Renatakis. <laughs> like in uh, in my guild, when we were able to kill both those, like the entire tier, we've only seen one heroic Juju drop. And, uh, you know, Rogue got it, you know, just yeah, at the time. It was like, oh, well, let's a Rogue get it. Rune is really good. And that's like, oh, I should have should have bit him up or something like that if you use, like, a DKP system. Um, and then the, the last questions that I have for you guys, uh, since you've, you know, answered everything really great, uh, for Snarfy, for you. Um, now, I'm not sure if this is going to happen going forward. And maybe, Rig, you can also jump in on this. Um, do you feel, like, sad when you do, like, all this DPS, you're – cranking out as much and then you go to look at world of logs and you are number one on a fight and then you just can't show off your marks because i know you guys do at least for my scene you know hide your logs obviously for you know race purposes um are you going to end up start showing your logs now rig is that something you're going to be doing or is that still going to be one of those things that you're going to keep private mm, i don't know i mean i'm it could kind of go one of two ways i mean we did public logs for a while and we've done private logs here for a while and i mean it's kind of like a uh 
lose-lose situation because, you know, if we're, if we're keeping them private, I know it's frustrating to some of the guys because they're, you know, they're putting up insane numbers and things like that, um, you know, and, and, and it's frustrating for them, I'm sure, to, you know, want to be, you know, want people just to, I guess, see, you know, how well they're doing and whatnot, but not being able to. And on the flip side of that, you know, we start putting public logs out, then I start having to deal with the, the bullshit that comes down of, okay, now people are padding or, you know, I mean, it just yeah. it develops bad habits <laughs> and things like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're really big on, you know, uh, train like you fight, fight like you train type thing. And I don't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if people just spend an entire six months of farm with these horrible bad habits and then progression rolls around, um, you know, and you end up having to deal with, you know, people with that same type of mentality. I mean, it's not as simple as just flipping a light switch and expecting it to, um, you know, just change like that. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not completely opposed to it, but that's one of the things that I'm definitely reserved about, uh, you know, from making them public is just, you know, it, it creating people that play a lot more for themselves instead of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is understandable. And then you, Snarfy, like, uh, is it? do you feel sad a few times or is it kind of that same thing where it gives you more of a focus on what your the assignment is and the role of killing the boss rather than posting the numbers? Well, yeah and no. I mean, part of the fun of raiding for me was, like, when I was in a different guild, getting ranks is fun. You know, it's, you know, it's a really fun part of the raid to, like, you know, have the scoreboard there and then after the raid everybody goes and looks and it's like oh look look who got this rank and this and that but at the same time i'm actually like i don't really care if other people see my ranks if i really care about it that much i can just go see what i did in world of logs compare it to like the number one guy and you know i'm really the only one who i care about seeing any of that so and i on the same like what rig said like it does like the way i like to put it people go to the dark side if he starts like, <laughs> doing public logs and they start padding on every fight and it, it'll cause wipes, I'm pretty sure if we started public mm-hmm. logging, but I mean, like at the end of the day, we all really just want to get in and out of the raid as quick as possible and go do other stuff. Yeah. I mean, part of that's because also we don't, it's not, we know we don't just do, uh, you know, one raid and that's it. I mean, we're our, our main focus, you know, especially during like Throne of Thunder, we were doing like three and four groups a week at times and we try to cram all that into like three raid nights you know so like we don't like you know it's it's more of a time like efficiency over uh you know just getting in there and trying to parse and things like that and you know that was definitely you know having people in there just like scumbagging it up and things like that is just uh, it's not it wasn't helping out anything not to mention the fact that strat wise you know a lot of the a lot of the times especially later on in the tier to be competitive you're going to have to have a strat that you know facilitates you know, like, I just throw out several off the top of my head, you know, like, look at Megara, you know, you just have people off-dotting other, you know, DPS, you know, I'm sure as a monk, you just put your clones on all the other heads and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like, what's the point, you know what I mean, like, who who really cares if you're gonna, you know, be able to pad better than the other guy when it's completely pointless, you know what I mean, or, like, Tortos, if you just ran around, like, if the tank just kited bats the whole time, and you just ran around, like, rushing Jade Wind and, or, you know, in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the bats the whole time, or, I mean, it just, you know, on, on Lei Shen, if you, you know, if you had people avoid DPSing ball lightning where you were able to get more of the pie, I mean, it's just every fight you can point out something to where it's like, okay, well, if your guild was just doing it correctly and efficiently, you're going to have lower numbers because, you know, ads aren't up as long or the strat doesn't, it's not shitty to the point to where you can pad with it. You know, I mean, it's just it's stuff like that is, it's just, it makes logs not necessarily as important. I think that's what a lot of the, 
I guess it's maybe not limited to only newer Raiders, but I guess people that aren't really focused on the same goals and, and things like that as we are as a guild. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of all the all that stuff ties into why we don't really do public logs. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see that kind of, uh, you know, point of view. Like, and you kind of mentioned in that, you know, you're there to kill the boss. You're not there to get that number one parse, right? I mean, that's I think that's what kind of boils down to. You're there to kill the boss and you get that first kill. Whereas if you're going for that number one parse, like you said, I'm thinking of protectors, for instance. I mean, a lot of the strats out there have it where you just group them up. So that's kind of like a parser's dream where you could just stack them up in AoE. But then if you miss your interrupt on a gloom because you're busy off AoEing another ad or the group of ads or something, and your raid wipes. And, you know, that's something that, especially for this too, that can happen. Um, so, yeah, definitely something interesting to see. And then that kind of goes off into my other question. And I was actually talking with uh, Absalom. Uh, about it when he released the video and this was for you rig and i saw the heroic video of garage i think you need a little bit more practice at cutting those ads <laughs> oh yeah uh, we had uh we had we had, we had um quite a few wipes that early on just trying to get it ironed out because initially we tried doing like an ursul's vortex on the pack that i already had mm-hmm. and then i would try to pick up the new ones and then the problem was they would come out of the vortex you know, without having a slow on them or something like that. And it was just kind of, it was a pain in the butt. But uh, I think by the time, you know, the last few days of progression, we had it down pretty solid to the point where, uh, you know, we would count down a grip um, and the grip would happen into a Shadow Fury and then I would drop my uh, pig statue and then just AoE taunt off the the statue and, you know, get them all on me and then get a slow on them like that. But uh, it's, just, it's a very, very uh, tight timing window to make all that happen. I mean, I'm sure if you guys have watched our kill vid, you hear me yelling at Arv to <laughs> get the grip off because I'm about to get killed again. Yeah, you know, because that's how we did, we did our first and original normal kill, just because, you know, it's a lot easier. You just ignore those that part of the encounter. And, you know, it seems like that's what Blizzard intended, at least from my point of view, because... Because of how the way the encounter kind of works out, especially in heroic mode, especially with so much damage you have to put out to try to push them to that last phase, um, it just seems like that's like the easiest easiest path of resistance, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's it is. It's, I mean, like you see method. I mean, it's pretty clear that it's doable either way. It's just mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you if you've got somebody that can pick up on the kiting, and uh, you know, having other people that can, it's not just on the kiter, it's also on the people that are, you know, the guy doing the grip, the guy doing the, the Shadow Fury, I know Zenon, our warlock, he was the one that was doing the Shadow Fury, he ended up making a weak aura that uh, Arv had a macro to where it would whisper Zenon whenever he cast his grip, and then he had a weak aura that would put something in the middle of his screen as soon as a whisper came from Arv, and it was just, you know, just super tight timing window, and and, and I bet I bet it's definitely intense for you, you know, because I've done, like I said, I've done that, or I do that for our current strat on, on just on normal mode. And sometimes those, when they get kind of out of control a little bit, that it's just like, you know, the heart raises, you're like kind of a <laughs> yeah. panic mode. Like you have to split second reaction times kind of come in. It's like, oh, am I going to ox wave or, oh, no, they're getting away. What do I do? You know, then um, the one thing I do myself is I pop that. I have the uh, 70% speed boost uh, potion that I have there just in case, just in yeah, case. I, I do get, too. Yep. Yeah, potion of swiftness. I have some, I have like a stack of 20 <laughs> on me for... <laughs> emergencies but uh yeah i I think one thing a lot of uh, mountain tanks don't use enough is clash i mean i use that shit Mm -hmm. any given opportunity i mean like especially even picking the ads up on that fight and and things like that it it, it's uh it's an escape as well as a gap closer at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah especially if you have to 
go grab with those uh, the, you know the melee ads, and then you can clash to the boss, and then uh, be able to get actually like a little closer to to pick them up. Um, and then going into that as well, like especially on that fight, you know, obviously it's the one that's the most fresh in your guys' mind uh, with recently getting it down. Um, Snarfy, since it looked you were tanking as well, um, is that was that kind of a a scary for you doing the tanking aspect of it, just because you know Garage does seem like he hits a, a tiny bit harder in the twenty-five heroic. Yeah, he hits really hard. Like every time he would land in melee, it would be like instant red stagger, and then you have the magic debuff on top of that. It was pretty scary to tank, but uh, I, I mean, I handled it. I was like a full mastery build. I had my elbow pads on. I wasn't really, <laughs> didn't really die that often. Yeah, which the is scariest I, part was watching Rig kite because I would get scared and I would watch him the whole time because if he died, it was like my job to try and pick him up and you know kind of like save the save the raid from wiping. It was just really scary to watch him because sometimes they would just get really close and you know he'd roll or something. But and then yeah, and then the, yeah, roll like roll at the wrong angle or lose oh, yeah. that lose the hey, the speed buff or something like that. And then the one thing too is if you had scumbag warlocks or something or or druids or moonkins doing that the starfall, and it's like oh no, they picked one off or some of them are still about to die, and then they then it's like even worse than that. Um, was there any uh, going into that? Was there any like time where where you just hit the roll and went the wrong direction or something, Rig, when you're doing that kind of stuff? No, I never really had any problems with the roll. I I think the the number one thing I had a problem with on on that was just I think uh, before we had Snarf picking up the fourth wave, I was trying to pick. That was when it just got to the point where it was like really scary um, because I had like three waves I was kiting and then I had to go in and the way that we were doing it, like I said, we used one. We only had one DK in the raid, mm-hmm. so we only had one grip and it just. Uh, that was probably the scariest point. And then once we had Snarf just start, Snarf would pick up the final wave right before we pushed and kite that one. And that, that smoothed it out uh, quite a bit. And then going obviously into the last phase, I just want a quick comments from both of you on that. Um, since I have you here, uh, did you think that last phase was similar to like a raw den phase where, I mean, obviously there's just some mechanics that can wipe the raid, but generally from what I observed when all the kill videos that have been released, it seems like it's more of like, it's, it's a, like the foot is off the gas in the encounter. Is that kind of what you perceive from it, or is it still really difficult to maintain? Uh, you I guess go Rig first, Snarf, or do you want me to? Well, Rig, I guess Rig go first, then Snarf can do a follow up to that. Okay. Um, I don't. I think it's it could go both ways because the way that I think that they intended it to be done was kind of similar to the way that like us and Method did it, where we had multiple camps and then you were bouncing the debuff. The malice back and forth, like every tick, we were, you know, you can see it in the video. I'm, I'm saying like go, go, mm-hmm. go, go, and like they just, you know, you, you, you let it go, and then you, and just it, it requires a lot more necessarily finesse. But I mean, it is very, it's kind of like a mixture. I mean, it, it, it goes from okay, you turret, and then all of a sudden you have to, uh, you know, deal with the malice transitioning into the iron star, spawn one iron star, then spread out, you know, traverse to the other side of the room. And, you know, that's the only time where it kind of gets hectic and then you got to make sure to kite the Iron Star correctly and then hit that two-second cast and things like that. So, I mean, it's it has the elements to be kind of hard, but as you can see with a lot of the other kills afterwards, like people just had this YOLO tactic where just <laughs> the entire raid just groups up on the Malice person and it's just it's free-for-all and things like that. I think, if anything, they could have made it have like a 
higher, uh, you know, damage requirement. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it was, you know, you only needed to hit one Iron Star. And if you were able to hit one Iron Star and manage the Malice correctly, that's all you needed. And your DPS was good enough. I mean, did you see, like, at the end of our video, we shouldn't have even had that Iron Star at the end of our video, and we would have been killing it about the time that, uh, you know, he was hitting 100 energy the second time around. So, um, I mean, it was, I guess one to summarize here is it's, you know, if you kind of did it the way that it was intended, it was a little bit more technical than not. But, you know, there's a way to just kind of mob through it and get it done either way. Okay, so it's just one of those ones where there's a multiple, multiple ways of killing it, and that's not necessarily one like the like I guess it's like the cheese way is what people like to call it. Like the way that you could just get it done because you could just ignore mechanics ended up still being able to allow a kill. So you think maybe having it where the, either the damage needed was higher or maybe the damage output. Do you think if Malice was a lot more damaging, then that might be something that guilds would have yeah, to come up with like more unique Yeah, strategy. that would have been a lot better. I mean, like, if if no one could have ever... If you would have taken a second stack, if that would have killed you, I think that would have been a lot better because that would have put a lot more of a damper on, you know, the mass stack strategy and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Snarfy, how about you? Like, how do, how was your perception of the the last phase of Garage? I mean, overall, I think it was a pretty cool heroic phase. Like, having to hit that two second window with Iron Stars, that's pretty cool for having for the like heroic only mechanic. But I I do think that like the main flaw with that is the damage requirement wasn't too high, and you only had to hit one Iron Star. I think if you had like twenty percent more health or something, and you had to hit two, it would. It would have been a or lot better. If you would have better. full healed, yeah, to 100 instead of 60, yeah. that would have been a lot better. So you think just changing the mechanic of around, I mean, boss around would have made it a lot more difficult, uh, I guess more so like a Lei Shen, where he obviously was like that brick wall when you got to him, either with just needing damage to outdo it, healing, or just strategy. Is that something that maybe you were... Was it, uh, like, then I guess that goes into it. Was this kind of like a, huh, like, you know, kind of like a letdown of a boss? Or did you think that Garage Heroic actually did take a, a place as one of the difficult bosses in the tier? I think that it... It doesn't really hold a candle to Lei Shen, in my opinion, but at the same token, I think that the way that Siege, I, I think that the first, the difficulty of the first seven bosses kind of kept the instance from being as great as it could have been, because I think if there would have been a little bit more difficult early on, because I mean, it, I mean, I mean, the first seven bosses, we were literally just like, uh, what's going on? You know, I mean, these bosses are dying in like one, two pulls, like, it was pretty crazy, and uh, you know, we just kept going on that tear all the way up to Malkrock. And then once you got to Malkrock, it was like, okay, well, now it looks like they've got the tuning a little bit more in line for the middle of the instance. But I, I definitely think some people messed up the beginning uh, for sure. But uh, the way that Siege kind of lined up compared to Throne, it, you know, in Throne you had, I would say, three bosses that were kind of more difficult than the rest, starting with Darumu initially that for the first week. Uh, then Dark Animus, obviously, and then Lation, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, you had other ones like Iron Quan was an absolute joke. Uh, Primordius wasn't that hard and things like that. But I, th- I think they delivered with the scaling difficulty on the latter half. I mean, Siegecrafter, in my opinion, was the hardest boss in there. But a lot of that has to do with the strat that we used. Uh, you know, I think our strat ended up being a lot more insane and hard to deal with than you know what other people were using but it's kind of the road we chose and stuck with it type thing uh but you know paragons is also another fight although that one had a lot of bugs in it uh you know no pun intended but uh and then garage was also another i mean all those fights are in the three 
mid three hundred pull range uh, fights, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and you know, and they had three fights like that instead of, you know, one fight that required like five hundred pulls or something like that, you know. So um, it was good, but not great. And uh, you know, I just the, the the downfall I think to maybe Garage not being great is there wasn't that absolutely insane damage check like say Ragnaros, you know, the two meteor yeah. damage check. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there was nothing that tight. I mean, all you really had to do was beat the, you know, you had to come out of the first brain room with only 24 energy, and then you had to beat going into Red Crane, you know, because I think we made it to Red yeah. Crane like a couple times, and we right off the bat, it was like, okay, yeah. I mean, we were close enough to know that we could beat that one, and not, you know, him healing 20% going into there, it was very clear that you just needed to beat that cutoff, and with very little tweaking, it was possible. So, I mean, I think they could have made the damage requirement a lot higher, and not to mention that, but... I mean, look at the mechanics the raid had to deal with at the end of the day. They had to move for a weapon, not get hit by void zones, and then be stacked for MCs. That's the extent of what the raid does yeah. in that fight. And, I mean, it's cool and on. I'm not saying it was a bad fight, but I think if you're trying to compare it to some of the more epic fights, uh, like, you know, Lei Shin or Lich King or something like that. Um, I mean, Lich King probably has a little bit of a different opinion just because of limited attempts. So that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at is just there's not that much individual responsibility across the whole raid as there was on a lot more of the, you know, like Memoron or, or even Siegecrafter. I think that was a fight that Siegecrafter reminded me the most of was Memoron. But, yeah. No personal, no individual check across the board is kind of what hurt that fight. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like uh, Lei Shen, for example, you know, you had to make sure you're in the correct position for the ball lightnings. You had to make sure you were in the correct position for a diffuse chain. I mean, it seems like that fight had so much personal responsibility as well as raid responsibility and DPS checks. Yeah, it was kind of like the all-encompassing. Yeah. yeah. It was like the was... all-encompassing fight, like of everything that the game's about that you need to do and for a heroic progression boss. And then, you know, going in, I mean, a lot of people I see, especially with how quickly a lot of guilds out there, mine included, our second week getting to 10 out of 14 compared to last year was like four or six on the second week was good uh, you know half as much now getting almost to the end it's kind of a lot you know is it seeing that and especially with your eyes experience as well is it more of just the gear being getting so much warforge gear or being able to get so much thunderforge gear in the last year helping out with the kind of the smoothness of seem like the early bosses were or do you think they kind of not dumbed down but reduced the difficulty on this tier uh, I think the gear inflation plays a pretty big part in it. I think you know them having Valor upgrades off the bat. I honestly think that was a mistake. I think if they didn't have those, the whole instance would have probably have been a lot more epic. Because I mean, literally, you could take the first seven bosses out of the instance, and it, you know what I mean. I mean, it was that ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm not joking. I mean, it was like we went into. General Nazgrim, and we were like, uh, I don't really know what comp we want for sure, because we only <laughs> tested this for a little bit. Let's just give it a pull and see. And then we kill the boss on the first pull, and Gammon doesn't yeah. even die. It's like, oh my god, man. Like, well, I mean, that's really what it is. You need to recruit Gammon. That's that's the whole thing about that fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Gammon carried us. Um, so, so then, Starf, I guess that comes, goes then a uh, question to you as well. Did you feel that this is kind of like a, a lower demanded tier? Or do you think it's just that they wanted more people to get into heroic modes? Is is because that's why I kind of feel is like they wanted to kind of reduce the entry level to heroic for those normal guild mode guilds from last tier that maybe were able to get to Lei Shen, killed maybe Jinrock and Jikun or something like that, and really couldn't kill the other ones. Is this that way they can get that five or six out of fourteen before the end of the the tier? 
Yeah, I think they made the first like half of the instance so easy because they didn't want to repeat a Throne of Thunder where everybody kills Jinrock and then they're stuck on Hordon. But then, you know, like Tortos is a joke and Jikun is really easy and things like that. I don't I think they still made it too easy, but I I mean I can see like I can see why it happened. But uh yeah, overall I think the tier was I mean it was a pretty pretty alright last tier or last uh yeah, last tier for the expansion. I mean Garrosh wasn't uh as hard as it could have been, I don't think. But I mean it was better than madness. That's all <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I think I think everybody can agree with that. That madness was definitely the most underwhelming end boss of like the expansion, let alone tier, uh, when it was released. And then I guess this kind of follows up to uh, Rignaros as well. To you, I know you kind of mentioned it, but just wanted to get a, a little more into it. Is the so you feel that the this tier with how it was designed, where the first bosses are a lot easier to get to or get done, that it was more of like a, a literally a gunshot race where it's like you had to be sprinting from the moment that the race started to get that because i know you guys were just close of getting that world first that you're able to you know get this world second which is obviously you know way better than i'll ever do with any of my wild uh, playing career um but uh you know is it kind of one of those things where is there some things you could have done either easier or better that maybe if you would have known to go with like a gunshot like you had to just sprint out right away or any comments on the race in general Things are race in general just kind of how it played out. I mean, it's about as direct of an answer as you'll find. Is just uh, you know we just ended up getting outplayed. I mean, hats off to method there. And I mean, I'm not uh, the, you know I know a lot of guys in the guild and I talk to them on a regular basis. And you know that I was the first. You know, I'll be the first one to congratulate them on what they did. I mean, and, and I can point out the you know number. There's two reasons why we ended up losing, um, and it was. A combination of Siegecrafter and Paragons. Um, we did kill Siegecrafter at a pretty decent uh, time, even though you know they ended up getting the kill. I think the day before we did, uh, and the reason we were kind of slower on that is the strat that we went with. But that said, we were still, like I said, within the same running. Mm-hmm. I think we actually killed Garrosh in a shorter amount of time, like as far as you know, hours from getting to the boss to it dying. But uh, you know, the number one thing that we kind of dropped the ball on was Paragons and. Uh, it just came down to people not playing as well as they should have. You know, I mean, we had a pretty solid strat early on. It just um, the tiers as a whole, it wasn't. It was. It was. You know, it was definitely a sprint off the bat. But once you got to Siegecrafter, the last three, it turned from a sprint into a marathon because every one of those mm-hmm. bosses, like I said, was three hundred. You know, mid three hundred pulls plus, and uh, you know, it just. It I was, guess it was, yeah, just yeah. overwhelming, or not overwhelming, but just the real race happened at that moment where we were right. able to I mean, get that off. was the race of yeah. instance. It wasn't, I mean, it's any guild of, you know, serious uh, pedigree or anything, you you know, they were going to be on the last three bosses that first week. And that's, you know, that's what it kind of came down to. And Siegecrafter was one of those fights where it was very strat-based. Uh, and Paragons was a fight where it was pretty clear the order you kind of needed to go in, you know, maybe switch one or two around, but... Paragons was just an execution check across the board, and I think we lost like two full days on Paragons, and that was pretty much the difference between us. You know, if we would have killed Paragons when you know we you know, two days prior when we should have, uh, you know, we were already having really solid long pulls. We just never could put it together, and you know, it kind of snowballed into two days worth of wipes. But you know, if we would have killed that when we should have, uh, 
you know, it would have been a hell of a race on a garage, but, you know, it's easy to second guess in hindsight. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, is no real excuses. just kind of comes down to, you know, they played better than we did, and that's that. And then, so I guess then, the one question, I don't want you just to say yes or no in case it's like a hush-hush thing with Blizzard, but are you hoping to get your revenge come BlizzCon? I know I don't want to put you on a spot in case of anything like that. Like it's been, you know, you're going to no, be I think there. They already announced it. I mean, it's. Okay. Uh, I heard them talking about it in the stream or one of the method guys or whatever. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. uh, we definitely wanted to, and uh, it was something I think that uh, it would, you know, be a much better um, competition. I, I mean, I I will go on public record. You know, I'm I'm fully confident in our ability to beat Method in a live race. Um, I just, you know, I will admit that they have an advantage in, you know, figuring out new encounters and, and getting them down quicker. But I think when it comes to, you know, killing, you know, farm content or something that you already have a developed strategy for and things like that, I think that we do have a, a, an edge. And I'm, that's not just saying it based off of, uh, you know, no, you know, factual basis. I mean, you can go back and look at the times for the Dragon Soul races while we weren't necessarily going head to head at the same time as them. Uh, our time was... Uh, significantly faster than what they ended up finishing theirs in, and I think yeah, Stars is the only one that had a faster time than us. So, I mean, it would, you know, to answer your question, it would definitely be something we would be interested in. But uh, I think they've already picked Midwinter to uh, end up doing the race, so it's going to be something. I guess we'll end up having to wait till either next year or, uh, you know, maybe get Athene or somebody to set up one uh, during the farm. Yeah, that'd be something interesting to see because I, uh, I remember the last one that you guys did. And it's just, especially for us, you know, being like, you know, heroic raiders, it's just one of those things you could kind of see how fast the, the top of the top can do, like the best players. Um, and I guess then the last question would be, um, are you both going and going to BlizzCon this year or is it just gonna not going to be this year going to BlizzCon? Snarf. Well, I'm not going, unfortunately. Uh, Rig is. Pretty much everybody else in the guild is, but just, <laughs> yeah, there we've got like thirty-something people in the guild going. A lot of retired people and whatnot, but we'll have a whole group of people there. So if anybody's going to be there, make sure to stop by and say hey and get a BL headband and stuff. I try to talk oh, uh, awesome. Snarf and Soy into going, but I think they've got uh, other stuff going on. They can't really make it. Yeah, definitely. Maybe you could do like a uh, an actual raid on BlizzCon, you know, <laughs> with the whole group there. Um, yeah, definitely. That's, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, so definitely check out Blood Legion. Are you now? Are you gonna have like a, a meetups place, or are you just gonna are you gonna announce that via your Twitter uh, when you actually end up doing uh, that? I mean, we'll just we'll be around. I know last in 2011 or whatever, and we just pretty much hung around at the convention. I mean, we you know we'll all have on our BL T-shirts and our jackets, depending on how cold it is in November. But uh, yeah, I mean, just if anybody's there, make sure to come up and say hey, and we'll try to hook you guys up with some, you know, like a BL headband or keychain or lanyard i mean we got like a bunch of little cool stuff we usually hand out at blizzcon so it's fun times i know the whole like we rented a beach house for like all the you know the whole guild so we're going to be out there the whole week of blizzcon just kind of hanging out we'll have our laptops out there kind of like last year for the mop launch we had the whole guild raiding from uh condominium on the beach oh awesome so i guess then uh meet uh rigoros and company not including Snarfy Snarf uh, Soy uh, at uh, BlizzCon uh, coming November. Uh, is there any way uh, for people to contact you? I know, Rick, you do have the uh, the Twitch uh, TV. I think it's uh, uh, Rignoros BL on Twitch. Is there any other ways you guys like to people to follow you? Like via Twitter or Twitch or anything? Twitter mainly for me. I don't really check my Twitch messages so much because you know, the community on Twitch is just 
spewing vomit nonstop. So I try to just stick to Twitter for the most part. So if anybody has any questions or wants to, you know, meet up while you're there, just I mean, shoot me a message on Twitter. And I check it pretty much on my phone all the time. And that's at Blood Legion, correct? On Twitter? No, no, no at Rignoros would be oh, mine. Oh, at Rignoros. Yeah. And then also follow at Blood Legion on Twitter too, which, uh, you know, again, congrats also on being recently uh, associated with uh, Team Razor. It's pretty awesome that you guys uh, take that next step in the uh, in the eliteness of uh, pro gaming. Yeah, and that's pretty nice. And so that's going to be it uh, for uh, for this interview. So thank you guys very much for joining and uh, hopefully be able to get you guys both on after the uh, next race with that number one tag next to your name. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Okay, thanks again, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what a great episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, just uh, go over some of the show aspects or the show details. And uh, you can go ahead and follow the show at Monk Podcast on Twitter, www.monkcraftpodcast.com uh, for the uh, website. And then if you want to email us, we are still looking for misweavers at show at monkcraftpodcast.com. Um, you can also follow Rignoros on Twitter at Rignoros uh, or www.rignoros.com or at Blood Legion or at BloodLegion.com uh, to follow all that stuff uh, considered with Blood Legion and Rignoros. And I hope you guys do go out and, uh, at BlizzCon and do f- catch up with them and get those uh, you know, lanyards, keychains, etc. Uh, I think headbands as well. Um, all the nice Blood Legion paraphernalia that you can kind of tout when you go out and uh, watch them uh, you know, race for that world first in the next tier. And that's going to be it for Minecraft Podcast, so thanks again, everybody, and hope to see you this uh, next week and each and every week whenever we have an episode released. So take care.